welcome to New Planet, a podcast where we inform and enable a sustainable lifestyle. Hello, Xander. What's up, Aiden? How are you? Dude, I'm doing pretty well. Just uh, finished up volunteering at 21 Acres, which is uh, like a sustainable farm in Woodenville. And that was that was pretty cool. Moved some compost, met some, some cool people, and uh, definitely going to get out there again next weekend and just try to be more of a, a part of the community and try to meet others yeah. who are interested in sustainability. Nice. How about that you, man? Dope. How was your day? Um. Yeah. Worked and... Uh... Yeah, as you'll learn later on in the episode, got back from D.C. recently, um, also volunteering for a different cause. Um, but yeah, that'll be the subject of our episode. I know you had a uh, a passage to read us. Oh, um, oh yes, I do. I'm interested so, to hear it. We do usually start with a quote, but I'm, I'm reading this book right now called The Post-Carbon Reader, Managing the 21st Century Sustainability Crisis, edited by Richard Heinberg and Daniel Lurch, and um, it kind of breaks down different aspects of our modern life, like waste and cities and buildings and biodiversity and social justice and all these other things, but kind of at the intro it's talking about it's talking about the definition of sustainability and kind of what sustainability means so Richard Heinberg one of the editors slash authors of this book and he is a uh, senior fellow in residence at the Post Carbon Institute he wrote a little piece about what sustainability means it's like one of the first couple chapters in this book but I thought I'd just kind of read the first three-ish paragraphs of this chapter to kind of give our listeners a better idea of what sustainability means and like the definition of it. And I think it's really important because sustainability is like a central focus of this podcast. And it's just kind of helpful to realign what it means to us and what it means to you and have a more poignant focused conversation on sustainability. So yay, let's get into it. So the essence of the term sustainable is that which can be maintained over time by implication This means that any society that is unsustainable cannot be maintained for long and will cease to function at some point. Unfortunately, in recent years, the word sustainable has become widely used to refer merely to practices that are reputed to be more environmentally sound than others. Often this word is used so carelessly as to lead some environmentalists to advise abandoning it. Nevertheless, the concept is indispensable and should be the cornerstone for all long-range planning. It is probably safe to assume that no human living arrangement can be maintained forever. Astronomers assure us that in several billion years, the sun will have heated to the point that Earth's oceans will boil away. Thus, sustainability is a relative term. It seems reasonable to us as a frame of reference for the duration of prior civilizations, ranging from hundreds of thousands of years. A sustainable society, then, would be able to maintain itself for many centuries at least. So... Definitely check out that book. I know what I'm getting Aiden for Christmas. He doesn't know yet, but he'll love it. Oh, you blew it. Oh. No, I 
but on that, cool. on I that like note, that. um, I guess what was like, well, let's just hop right into it. Cause I'm really interested to hear about your experience in DC. I know we got a little bit of a sneak peek on our Instagram. That was, that was fun. I enjoyed the, the content you were supplying, but I yeah. guess I, like maybe we can just talk about the perception of sustainability in Washington, DC. Like, did you kind of feel like the city as a whole was sustainable? I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe I felt more sustainable while I was there because I was, like, taking the metro and stuff, which I like. I know. Ooh, public like, transport, big, man. Yeah, a good a good part of being more sustainable in terms of, like, the aspect of cities is electrifying the grid and... Um, like renewable electrification and then you know increasing the access and yeah, accessibility to public transport um that's a huge thing of making cities more sustainable so i guess yeah i felt a little more sustainable while i was there um but yeah the real the main like vibe i got while i was there was mostly just the vibe that things are happening because a lot of things happen in dc with regards to like making the country go round um politically and you know that's where all the policy making usually happens so um yeah once i was there and just walking around i don't know who i was walking around with they could have been policymakers they could have been lobbyists and but everybody's walking around got somewhere to be meetings to be in people to talk to and it just felt like i was part of that because i was um so just this environment um, and, like, feeling of making a, a difference just just by the fact that I was there and, like, being around all of this action that's happening in D.C. So that was super cool. Cool. And, I mean, like, when, we, when it comes to action, did you notice any sort of vibe with impeachment? Um... It definitely came up in conversation with other people that I was volunteering with there. Um, and I mean, most of, yeah, yeah, most of the people were aware of that fact that that's happening. I was there until, I was there until Wednesday. Um, but what I was, the stuff I was doing took place mostly on Tuesday. So, um, yeah, it was, I, I noticed it. And it was cool to be there at such a time when, like, history is being made, regardless of what happens in this, like, this episode of the, of the American political system. Uh, but it was cool. Yeah, it was cool to be there at such a time. I enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah, I, I can only imagine how interesting the vibe would be just walking around and knowing that, like, history is happening today. But... Um, I guess you said you were volunteering, so what kind of organization were you volunteering with, and how did you get started there? Um, so I was with Citizens Climate Lobby, which is a nonprofit um, organization that consists of various chapters across the country and internationally. So it's headquartered in San Diego, and um, essentially it's the goal is to like secure a better future for for generations to come and by doing that or 
and doing that through um, primarily our goal is to introduce and pass this bill, which is the Carb uh, Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act, uh, HR 763, if anybody wants to look that up. And that bill was introduced into the House of Representatives um, in the last Congress, and in this Congress it was reintroduced. Um, and so what every year, twice a year, we have a lobby day. We have one in June and one in November. And um, essentially, you anybody can go, you and you sign up and you get a schedule with who you're going to be meeting with um, in terms of Congress people, or if you're going to be meeting their staffers or aides. Um, and yeah, you, you join a group with other CCLers and you speak to the congressperson or to their aide and essentially try to convince them if they haven't yet co-sponsored the bill um, to co-sponsor it or if they're not even, if they don't believe that climate change is a problem, like an issue that many CCLers come across if they're lobbying towards like Republican Congress people. I know that I met some other volunteers while I was there that said, oh, like I'm lobbying my representative who's a Republican and he doesn't believe in climate change. So they go into that meeting with a different like primary ask, which isn't to like co-sponsor the bill. It's to more like acknowledge that climate change is a problem um, in the first place. So yeah, that's what I was doing. And yeah, CCL's a really great organization. It's very... Um, it's like decentralized, so you can do basically whatever you want in, not whatever you want, but you can do mostly whatever you want in your own individual chapter. You can work with local groups to try to secure endorsements or statements of support from like local organizations or companies or uh, like faith organizations around where you live, um, and you can speak with your local uh, congressperson through your local chapter, um, and it's a great way for just, like, direct action, um, yeah, so. Cool, yeah, I, like, I just went on the Citizens Climate Lobby website and just checked out the chapters, and there are multiple per state, like, there's one in, like, I live in Washington, and there's one in Seattle, there's one in Bellevue, which are just, like, the two biggest cities in, uh, King County and then there's like even one in Kirkland which is where I live and like so there's I was surprised at the number of groups just in Washington state and every single state has a um, at least one organization so definitely go to Citizens Climate Lobby's website and find your local chapter and yeah. Like it, it could be a lot closer than you think. Yeah, for sure. I know that there, are even in places where, for example, that chapter isn't a very, I don't know, rural or um, just dispersed in terms of like spatially, uh, spatially dispersed area. Like people still join. It might just be like a less like you can probably count how many people go to the meetings on potentially one hand or two hands, um, but they're still active and involved in in that uh, issue. 
uh, I know at the conference, so they had like the conference on Monday and then Tuesday was the day that we actually met with our members of Congress and, and lobbied. But uh, during the conference, they were showing these videos. They have like six videos, I think, that they're going to release each month, one each month. And each one focuses on a specific person that they um, chose to make a video about. And it's, it's kind of like a unique uh, like a unique example of a person in CCL. So there's, I remember one was an American Indian who lives on the reservation or at least grew up on the reservation. And, um, now he is a member of CCL and, you know, trying to, to get this bill passed. Um, there was another guy who lives in the heart of the, of coal country, I believe in, uh, I want to say West Virginia. I don't remember. Um, yeah, it's a good guess. Yeah, um, and he was in the video and talking about why he's a member and like showed footage of his meetings where they're kind of like hanging around like playing guitar and banjo and whatnot and just like dancing around and uh, eating food together and yeah and then they converse about why they're you know what they're doing and and how they can be more effective in citizens climate lobby and funny thing was after that video aired at the conference it was in like a it was in a hotel, so it was in like a big ballroom where they have meetings and stuff. And I was sitting there, and this other guy that I had met at the um, at the conference, Max, who I showed this podcast. So if you're listening, Max, what's up? So, what's um, up, Max? <laughs> um, and he leans over to me, and he just whispers in my ears, like, "Hey, is that the guy from that video?" And I, like, look over, and, like, two seats to my left, he's just, like, sitting right next to me. And I was like, oh, that's the guy from cool. Coal Country. <laughs> and I was like, no way. Um, and I, I actually think I saw him on, on the hill later on Tuesday as well, but that was cool. So, yeah. I don't remember what question I was answering, but or what I was referring to, but cool organization uh, with, yeah, chapters all over the place. So it's really mm-hmm. cool. And, like, when you go to these meetings is it it just is a really good opportunity to meet other individuals who are passionate about sustainability or the environment or kind of like what what are main focuses that you talk about at these meetings is it mostly legislation and like political action or is it uh, yeah just kind of what's going on and i'm i need to do some research on my local chapter and get more involved because I'm inspired, not, not even yeah. after hearing all of what you did, but just, like, talking about it right now. So, what are those yeah, meetings so like? Like, every, I think it's the first Saturday, first or second Saturday of every month, I think all the chapters meet, and there's a there's a speaker for that day, so they, sometimes it's actually live, like, they have them speaking then, or it's, like, a recorded conference call or something from another day. Um, I think the first meeting I went to was Carlos Cabela, who was a congressman in uh florida who was a big coast like supporter of this bill and i don't think he has his job anymore um which sucks because he was republican so it was more bipartisan support which we really need um but he talked about uh carbon fee and dividend the idea behind this bill um and yeah so there's that national speaker that they have every meeting that everybody gets to watch um and other than that, my meetings in San Diego, because I haven't gone to a meeting yet where I, back home in Marin, but in San Diego, we would like meet 
we would probably, I think we start the conference call or yeah, the, the, the national call. And then after it ends, we'd like discuss it a little bit among the group. And then we go over some highlights of what our group has done. Like for example, letters to the editor that have been written. So like a big thing that they support is doing that, like writing letters to the editor, if there's a relevant uh, newspaper article or something, or like online article published in your local newspaper. And you can like write a letter to the editor, uh, of that paper or magazine and be like, hey, um, like I support this or I don't support this and here's why and maybe mention CCL and discuss why your bill is a good uh, way to move forward on climate action. So it, they support action like that where it's not just like going to DC, it's simpler stuff. Like you could just call your congressman or you could write this letter to the editor or write an op-ed. Um, and yeah. So those meetings are just basically a place where you have the national call, you talk about what you've done as a chapter, what else you're working on, maybe personally or together with other members of your chapter. And yeah, it's like a really good supportive group of people and it's a good time. Yeah, definitely met some good people through it. So That's awesome. Yeah. So I also just went to my chapter's website, and uh signed up with my email and yay it was it was really hard but <laughs> you guys can do it <laughs> a couple clicks couple button pushes exactly so if i was just able to sign up you guys can also while listening to this episode so yeah, let's all you know join our local citizens club lobby but i guess yeah Let's uh let's talk more about your experience in DC because now we know how yeah. you got started and how easy it was to get connected to these people. Um, I guess I kind of want to ask a follow up. Like, have you like besides meeting you know local celebrities in the <laughs> citizens' cabinet lobby? You know, who are sitting a couple seats away from you. Um, have you met any people that you are like continually staying connected with, or like have you felt like you like have a good group of people. I guess you did just move to a different location, so like maybe you're yeah. not as connected to this new chapter, but I guess even the brief time you were in San Diego, what was your experience connecting with others at these events? Yeah, so in San Diego, I the chapter leader, who is Carl Yakel, um retired lawyer, I believe. He's Shout the chapter out. leader, so he <laughs> he would um <laughs> yeah if he does listen to this that'd be cool great guy um he's the chapter leader and so he, he's like there he does all the announcements and, and leads the discussion basically and i you know i grabbed coffee with him outside of the meetings when i was in san diego i saw him again i connected with him in dc really great guy um and let's see um, I know you mentioned like I haven't gone to any meetings here yet so I don't know anybody but since mm-hmm. I am registered to vote in my district up here in Northern California um, they scheduled me for a meeting with Jared Huffman who's my or his aide I guess it was but ideally it would have been with him and himself um, so I was with other constituents from my district and the leader of the chapter here in Marin was also in my my lobby meeting for in DC so I met him Peter Joseph another good guy and uh, so I've already met a couple of people from my local chapter up here now, which is really cool. Oh, very um, cool. Yeah. So DC was like a really good place to like reconnect. I reconnected with Carl and I met people from my uh, district and local chapter here. 
and yeah, and people from other chapters. I met a guy, Max is from Seattle, um, but now lives in Salt Lake City. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it was super cool. Um, definitely intend to keep in touch with Carl and, um, I'll be seeing Peter soon here in, in Marin. And also, like I said, CCL started in San Diego. So their founder, Marshall Saunders, he would sometimes just like come into the meeting, um, in San Diego. I think I met him a couple times there. Um, like super nice guy. And it's funny cause they were always like talking about him and being like Marshall is like the nicest, like at the meeting in, in, uh, at the lobby day in, in DC, be like oh, Marshall cool. Saunders, like this was his vision and whatnot. I'm like, Hey, Hey, I know that guy. Like I, I met him in wow. San Diego. He'd come into the meeting sometimes and he's a really great guy. Um, and also when I, when I was tabling at the Republican convention in, uh, Palm Springs, the California Republican convention, um, tabled with some people from up in like LA area, I believe. Um, and I saw them again also at the, at the lobby day. So it's it definitely made some important connections. It's great. Um, and it's super easy to just like, people might be like higher up in the organization, but like, it doesn't mean anything. Like they're all just so nice and it's a very, like, like I said, it's kind of decentralized. So while there are the people that kind of run the show, they're, you know, they want to talk to everybody and, um, it's just a great group of people to be involved with. So cool. That sound that's, it's good to know. I'm excited to yeah. meet some people in my area and talk about sustainability. So I guess, uh, next question when you were in DC, who, who were you meeting with? And I guess kind of what were those conversations like? Maybe just kind of go one by one for each because you didn't, did you meet with politicians? I know you, like on our Instagram, you said that you were able to meet with at least one. I remember that. But um, what was that like? Yeah. Like, um, so I was scheduled to meet with Jared Huffman, who is my my congressman in the, in the North Bay. And then Ami Berra, who is in... Um, Sacramento area and Ted Liu who is down in like LA and Santa Monica so um let's see yeah I had my first meeting with with Jared Huffman which was a staff meeting so it was the day after uh not Labor Day Veterans Day so most congress it was like bad scheduling usually I think you get to meet with a lot more uh, congress people but like almost everybody had staff meetings because it was Veterans Day, so they were gone probably back to their their actual districts instead of being in their D.C. offices, um, which was kind of lame. But, hey, I'll be back again probably in June, so I don't really care. <laughs> um, and so my first meeting with Jared, or should I say Congressman Representative Huffman, um, Peter called him Jared because he knows him. Like, oh, cool. He's his liaison for CCL, so he like uh, he has like a personal relationship with him. And so, yeah, Jared uh, wasn't there, but we met with one of his aides, and she didn't know too much about the bill. So that was my, and this was my first meeting, so I was went in kind of nervous. I was like, man, I don't, like, I don't know what to expect. Um, like walk into the Longworth uh, house, uh, house office building which is super cool. You know, you walk in, you security check, 
and like it's all you have to do like you don't have any you don't have to have any reason to be there you can literally just like go in it's it's cool and then you just like walk around the halls and you can go in like instead of having to leave the building and go into the other buildings because there's three house office buildings um rayburn longworth and cannon um and so you just like go underneath the buildings or like underground tunnel kind of thing. It's not as like cool as it seems. I think the underground tunnel from the house buildings to the Senate buildings, which is like a 20 or 30 minute walk potentially, that's like the cool thing to do. But walking around the house is like still pretty cool. But um, <laughs> so yeah, first meetings with him and his aide. Didn't know much about the bill. Uh, first meeting for me, so I was kind of nervous and. Um, but I did get some words in, like, said some stuff. I was like, cool, like, yeah, got my word in. I wasn't, like, running the meeting or anything. Obviously, that was Peter's job. Um, but I tried to make some points about, you know, the bill and why it's important that Representative Huffman uh, supports it, which he doesn't yet. Um, so, essentially, the meetings are kind of structured. Like, you come in, you say hello, you're polite, and you ask, like, how much time do we have? You have different roles, like a timekeeper and somebody who takes notes and stuff. Um, how much time do we have? Okay, like here, this is why we're here. This is our primary ask. We ask that you like buy, uh, co-sponsor the bill, and they're like, okay, and then you're like, okay, well, we can talk about this or this or like, do you have any questions? And you're trying to ask them questions too because you want them to talk a lot, the aide or the congressperson. And yeah, and it's you go like I go. I went in thinking, no, this is going to be so like formal, and I have to be very. Oh, like uptight and ready for for everything, but no, it was like more chill and like they're people, you know. Even the Congress people are they're people. If you don't, if you didn't know, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you got it's just it's a conversation, and usually all the plans you make just kind of go out the window once you're in the actual meeting. Generally, you're just like, oh, well, this kind of just takes its own path, and you kind of follow that, and um, with the main goal of trying to get them to co-sponsor the bill and in mind um so that was the first meeting she didn't commit obviously to anything because she's just the aide and she's hopefully gonna uh send some messages that we had back to representative huffman directly um then i met with ami barra's um representative or aide who was a very nice guy and they said, yeah, we're pretty close to co-sponsoring, which was super cool. It was cool to see how, like, the difference, like, we had one office who wasn't really close to co-sponsoring at all, and this other office, they were like, yeah, we're pretty close, we just have some issues. So, um, one issue with some idea about the, regu- there's a regulatory pause in the bill, which, like, stops EPA regulations on certain greenhouse gases, uh, for like 10 years while the bill is after the bill is put in place to kind of like let it work instead of like having redundant uh, regulations put on. So that's like an issue for a lot of progressive Congress people. And that's one of Ami Barra's issues. So they're like, okay, if you could like clarify that, that would be great. And then they're also worried about um, low income people and how this might disproportionately affect them because of energy costs rising due to the carbon fee. Um, and so, like, they laid out these specific concerns, and we're like, okay, perfect. Like, we can get back to you with information that will address these concerns, and then hopefully we can move forward and get you to co-sponsor us. I mean, so that meeting seemed really productive, and, like, we didn't do much talking because we none of us were actually constituents. We had constituents on the phone uh, that were doing most of the talking 
while we kind of were just there. We also had like supported them and whatnot, but it was easier for them to talk to their actual congressperson while we were just there um, as kind of, I don't know. We participated, but they did most of the talking. And, and yeah, so they seemed really resp- uh, responsive to the bill and said they were close to co-sponsoring, which was awesome. And then our last meeting was, or my last meeting was with Ted Liu, who is a congressperson in L.A. and Santa Monica. And he already sponsors the bill. Ted Liu is a boss. Um, <laughs> if you ever, like, read about, let's read, like, a bio on him. I got one. I could send you one because they sent us all a bio about our congressperson before we went to D.C. Dude, like, has a computer science degree, was in the military, created his own climate bill that he introduces into Congress, like, now, and already sponsors our bill. Uh, Just a crazy smart guy, like, super accomplished. And, yeah, they already sponsor it, so basically our ask in that office was more like... uh, like, what else can you do to kind of foster bipartisan support for climate change? And uh, are there any other specific uh, specific Congress people that you can try to get on board that aren't on board yet? So, yeah, we already have, like, a great relationship with them. And it was more just, like, is there anything else you can do to kind of help us move forward with this? Uh, and, yeah, thanks for co-sponsoring it already. And then he was the one I did meet because he was back from wherever, probably his own district. And his aide was like, oh, yeah, he's, like, in the office over there. Uh, he has to go somewhere quick, so he'll probably just walk out and he'll introduce himself. And that's what happened. He kind of just like walked out of the door, and we're like, "Oh God, there he is! That's the guy!" <laughs> and then he like walks over, like shakes our hands, like, "Oh," and I'm like, "Oh my God!" <laughs> and that's then he cool. Left. <laughs> yeah, it was super cool. Um, so that was awesome. Got to meet him. Already supports the bill. So um, yeah. So I kind of got to witness three different kind of meetings, like one where they already support it, one where they're close to supporting it and like they just need some more information, and one where they don't seem super close to supporting it, and we're just trying to like kind of understand why. So yeah, that was pretty much what I did, and it was awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, I've been reading a little bit about what this bill is. Uh. Do you want to kind of just give a 50,000 feet like bird's eye view of what the the bill means and like maybe talk about um, what it was like presenting on it? I know you weren't directly kind of communicating because you had the people on the phone, but I guess just like based on the questions that people were asking about the bill, how did that change your perspective of it? And like, do you think it's a good idea? Yeah, I mean, essentially the bill is putting a price on pollution and then uh, giving that money back to the people. So it's a carbon fee, so it starts with $15 per metric ton um, of of carbon dioxide at the source. And then that money, or that fee increases $10 a year um, to eventually like wean us off of uh, fossil fuels, ideally. And, yeah, that money gets sent back to the people in, like, a monthly check or a direct deposit to help pay the corresponding rising energy costs that companies will have to make in order to, um, you know, get the money to pay for the higher cost of production now. Um, 
And there's like several main ideas behind the bill to make it appealing to like both conservatives and liberals, I guess. So like there's sending the money back to the people, which <laughs> somebody made a good point where it's like, uh, you know, if you rise the if you raise the price of energy and do not somehow uh, make a corresponding rise in like income or like allow people to um, have a, a way to pay for that rise in, in price, they're going to revolt. So like in Paris, mm -hmm. like you raise the price of gas, I guess it was, and then don't uh, um, compensate. That's the word I was looking for. And you don't compensate the people for that increase in price you're going to have a problem so this kind of solves that and there are studies if you i think it's energy innovation act.org um that website explains and has uh explains that stuff and has a income or not an income but uh, a calculator for like yourself where you can kind of check out oh if i if the bill were passed how would it affect me how much money would i get per month and would that like pay for my the increase in energy costs so it's really cool and then there's a yeah, and because of that, it doesn't increase the size of the government. So this is like a conservative talking point. Um, they, they're what they value, smaller governments. So instead of the money going back to the government, it goes to the people, which is good. Um, and there's a border adjustment so that in order to keep the U.S. competitive, uh, since companies will pay higher costs here in the U.S., uh, countries that are importing into our markets will have to pay a border adjustment fee if they do not have a um, similar carbon pricing at, uh, like law in place. So they'll have to pay to be in our markets, and then companies in the U.S. will receive a re uh, like a refund when they export their goods, I believe. That's like the one part of the bill that I understand the least because like trade and border things are kind of like farther from my comprehension than most other things. Um, but it's explained on the website. Um, what else is there? There is, I mean, that's pretty much the main stuff there. I mean, there are other aspects of it. It's cool. a bill, you know, there's very specifics, but, um, yeah, Interesting. But yeah, that's the idea. Well, that sounds like yeah. a really awesome experience. And yeah. I just wanted to give an update to, to the people to know that I received my email from Citizen Climate <laughs> Lobby. Yeah. And they already connected me with my local chapter in Kirkland. They told me to reach out and they gave me an email to introduce myself and they let them know that I signed up so they should be expecting me. And we'll see what happens. But Yay. it was that easy. So if <laughs> I can do it, well... Aiden talks about his awesome experience. You can too. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, well, we kind of blew through that 30 minutes, huh? Thanks for sharing your experience, man. I appreciate it. Now I'm extra inspired. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, June's the next opportunity. Actually, if you're conservative, they're having like a conservative lobby day. But um, so, yeah, if you are conservative, check that out. I think it's in February, but the next like na international or national lobby day will be in June. So I'll definitely try to be going to that for sure because this was a unforgettable experience. We'll have a a new planet meetup. That'd be sick. So let us know. Yeah, cool. I think that's it. Thanks for listening to this episode of 
the New Planet Podcast. I'm Xander Kipp. I'm Aiden Hirsch. That's right. And uh, check us out. Yeah, feel free to follow us on Instagram at New Planet or send us an email at newplanetpod at gmail.com. Yay. We love hearing from you and we're excited to keep the conversation going. Yeah, and join CCL. <laughs> yep. Jo- join it. Join it. Join it. Pretty easy All to right. find. Okay. Bye. See you next time. <laughs>